It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Ben Sandig here coming to you on a Tuesday night, less than 24 hours before the Wizards are back on the court to take on the Utah Jazz, that same Utah Jazz team that destroyed them by not one, not two, not three, but 47 points last month. The Wizards have improved. Well, maybe we'll get a sense just how much they've improved going up against the Jazz in that rematch. I'm uh, going to talk about what happened today at practice, update on Otto Porter. Uh, we asked the players and Scott Brooks a lot of mid-year questions because tomorrow is the midway point of the year. It will be their 41st game of the year. So we got a lot of thoughts about that. And also, uh, among them, what's been the most surprising parts of the first half of the season? Got some thoughts from John Wall and Scott Brooks I'm going to play for you. On that here on the Lockdown Wizards podcast. Of course, you can find all of our pod- podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere else you do your podcasting. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Standing. And if you want to look up what I'm writing about this team, you can go to NBCWashington.com or FanRag Sports. So before we get to sort of that mid-year talk, let's go, let's go through kind of where we're at right now with the Wizards. All right. Some good news out of practice. Otto Porter. Participated in full today, according to Scott Brooks. He will be playing tomorrow against Utah. This is after he sat out uh, Saturday's loss against Milwaukee and didn't play much against Memphis after suffering the initial injury. So that is good news there. Obviously, you know, to say the least, the Wizards will be back to their regular uh, 10-man rotation, presumably, uh, uh, if you somehow missed the news. Devin Robinson joined the team yesterday. He will be, he will be with the Wizards. I doubt he'll play outside of, well, I guess we don't even know technically if he'll be active, but, uh, I guess he will be, right? Based on, yeah, that, between Sheldon Mack and the empty roster spot, I guess he would be active. In any event, I suspect Devin Robinson won't be playing, especially with Otto Porter back, unless there's some sort of a blowout situation. It's an opportunity for the Wizards as I said, to, to get back on track, particularly in the fourth quarter, these last two games, the Wizards were outscored by a combined 56 to 33 in the fourth quarter. They shot seven for 35 in the peer, in the fourth period against the Grizzlies and against the Bucks. Particular struggles, Bradley Beal and John Wall, a combined one for 20 from the field. So opportunity for the Wizards to get back on track. The fact that they've now had two days off of practice bodes well uh, as well. Eh, you know, extra extra days off can, can kind of go either way, but something tells me the Wizards are kind of 
anxious to get out there. You know, the, the one thing I would say for despite these fourth quarter struggles, and we'll get Scott Brooks's take on why he thinks they've struggled in the in the fourth quarter scoring in just a few moments. Um, but I, I've liked the energy, the effort better, even with these, uh, even with the, 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 the suspect closes to these games. And when I say that, I don't just mean in these two games, I mean in the last several games. You know, since they returned home from that road trip where, uh, that road trip, that five game west, western road trip, and I, for the most part, western road trip, they finished in Brooklyn, the, the Wizards, Came back only one game over 500, and since then they've won 10 of 14. Now John Wall has been back for those games. He missed that earlier stretch with his injury, and but on the back half of this 14 game stretch, they have definitely played with more consistency, energy, focus, and what have you. So let's see if that continues. They've got it. You know, we've talked about this. This is a you know this is a key stretch for the Wizards, simply in that they've got more home games to go. And this is an opportunity for them to beat up on some teams that they can take advantage of. Uh, obviously, we're talking about a Utah team that that clobbered them back way back when. But Utah has been—it's—it's it's almost weird, right? The Utah at that point, Utah. Let me make sure five or six in a row. Uh, you know, Utah—that was their sixth straight win that went over the Wizards, and since then. They've gone down the toilet. They immediately dropped four in a row, and they're three and thirteen over their last sixteen games. Now, part of that is no Rudy Gobert. He's been out with a knee injury. Uh, as far as I know, he won't be playing uh, against the Wizards. So that is a massive difference. I mean, not that Rudy Gobert is the NBA's best player, but he's so valuable to what it is that Utah is doing this year. Such a defensive presence. It will be a lot easier for John Wall to get into the paint, for Marquise Morris to continue his rebounding surge, and so on. So, without, without, uh, with Gobert, uh, right, let me back it up this way. On the season, Utah is 10-3 and when holding opponents under 100 points. That is the Rudy Gobert factor. In the 11 games that he's been out, they are allowing 106.5. So, I think that says a little bit right there about what's, what's going on here with Utah. That doesn't mean the Wizards are going to walk in and win. If they think that, they won't win because that was the problem. But I, I suspect they're better focused. They 100%, you know, they want a, re- a rematch. Or they want an opportunity to beat, beat back Utah. I suspect we'll get a good effort out of the Wizards. And then, you know, NBA, as they always like to say on the jump, it's a make or miss league unless Utah is firing uh, you know, making shot after shot, you know, it feels like this is a good opportunity for the Wizards. Uh, Rodney Hood and rookie Donovan Mitchell, though, two players the Wizards are definitely going to have to look at on, uh, on the wing, which is why it's good that Otto Porter is back, gives them some more depth there. But then after that, the Wizards are getting Orlando on Friday, Brooklyn on Saturday, sort of the, I don't know if it's kind of a rare home and home, or I'm sorry, rare back to back, at home, uh, Orlando is a mess right now. Twelve and twenty-eight. They've dropped uh, four in a row, but but they've but they've just been terrible now since their great start earlier in the year. Now uh, it is kind of ironic, right? Within within uh, three games, the Wizards are going to play Utah, who won by forty-seven, and the Brooklyn team that beat them twice in Brooklyn, and in one of those games led by uh, forty points. 
the the Nets fifteen and twenty five. You know they're scrappy. Their last they've lost two in a row. They lost to Toronto and Boston. Hardly teams that you can. Uh, you know those those are not bad losses. They only lost to Toronto by one. They only lost to Boston by two. Before that, they beat Minnesota by one point. They beat Orlando, and then they lost to the Celtics at Boston by three. So a scrappy team. The Nets, you know, these are not the Nets that we've been looking at the last few years, and the Wizards are definitely going to have to be focused. But again, you'd like to think they will be coming out focused, considering they got beat down by the Nets. It's back to the last game, but they lost to them twice. So, uh, the, look, it, it, the part of the conversation we had today with the Wizards involved, at least it was a line of questions that I was asking, and I think it's part of what you'll hear here from uh, Scott Brooks. On the one hand, the Wizards, as we know, we, we, this has been well documented, they have blown a ton of games this year. And, you know, John Wall was asked at one point, was he content with the fact that the Wizards are still in the mix in the East despite all the all those bad losses? He said absolutely not, you know, Injuries or not, we, we we let some of these games get away, and he's not wrong with that. On the other hand, and the Wizards are, you know, in... Well, okay, so on the one hand, yes, he's right. They definitely let a lot of these games go. We know the deal. You know, barely over 500 against teams with losing records. But on the other hand, they've had the injuries, and right now, at this moment, they are 23-17, and 17, fourth in the East. By the way, it should be noted, the Miami Heat are surging... And the Miami Heat are only a half a game now behind the Wizards, both for, for fourth, but also for the Southeast Division lead, whatever that means, whatever that is worth. Um, but overall, the Wizards right now going into this game, three games back of Cleveland for third place, six games back of Toronto for second, eight and a half behind Boston. Again, we're only at the halfway point. If the Wizards really do get on a run or more, maybe more to the point, this win, winning 10 out of 14 becomes the norm, if that's conceivable, then, you know, the Wizards should be able to, to, to move up a, a, a bit. They've got some work to do, though, and that's why these next three games, you can't lose them. To be honest, you just can't lose them. They've already had their share of, you know, bad losses. you gotta you got to take care of these games, especially at home. Do that and, you know, because the schedule will be harder in February. That That much is true, so... Got to get these wins, and I, you know, we'll see if I'm reading them right. If I, if I if I have a sense of this, you know, you know my rule on this podcast: we're not calling a turnaround until it's a little more consistent than it's been. I'm just saying, I feel like they should come out with good effort and good focus, particularly in this next game against Utah, and then kind of go from there. Uh, I, I let's get into some of the audio here from practice today. I will start with. Scott Brooks, and then we'll get into a little bit of John Wall as well. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so here's Scott Brooks. First, it'll be Scott Brooks talking about whether he views the current standings from a half-glass, full or half-glass empty situation. And I should note, he makes a comment about a letter grade 
uh, one of the themes that somebody was asking about was to grade the team. John Wall for the C plus. Scott Brooks makes note of that. And then Brooks explains what he thinks is going on in the fourth quarter of, of these last two games. And then, and then lastly, John Wall on what he sees as the biggest surprise of the first half of the season, along with some other, uh, thoughts on the Wizards. So here we go. Scott Brooks, then John Wall. I'm sure you have some sense if you don't look at it daily of kind of where you guys are in this, in the East overall standings. When you look at it, are you more frustrated about the games that you've let go, or do you look at it as like we've had the injuries, we've had some of these lapses, and we're still within striking yeah, I mean, distance? we're right now, if you're looking at it, the season we're in today, we're fourth. Um, last year, we were fourth. So we've definitely lost some games, but the, the East is better. The, the, the league is, it's hard to win games. It's, you, you think it's, you can just go out there and your team can go out there and win. It's not like that. You gotta go out there and play well to get wins. And right now we're the fourth, um, in our conference. Um, with a, with a C plus, so not bad. What do you think is at the core of the not clicking offensively as well as you can? We haven't shot the ball as well, um, as we have, and you know, I know that we can shoot much better. Um, we're taking care of the ball, which is good. You know, we're not a high turnover team. But I think um, eventually we're going to start making more shots and consistently throughout the game. Um, if we just keep working on what we've done in the last couple of days, I, I see uh, uh, hopefully we have some carryover and it can pay off uh, with the great ball movement and the pace we played at. It's not the shots you're getting that you're concerned about. It's just they're no, some not, of those need to go in more often. Yeah, I mean, Jody is... Um, he's not shot the ball as well as he can. I've looked at all of his shots, and those are the good looks that he's normally can make. And um, even Otto, you know, the last uh, X number of games, those are great shots that he makes. And you know, it's gonna, it's all going to come around. But it's just, and then John's the same way. Uh, I think his body is starting to really uh, feel good, and, and he's in the, he's in great shape. And hopefully that stays the same because he's a big. Um, part of what we do and he gives a lot of guys a lot of great shots. What do you remember about maybe a C plus or B minus to be honest? Do you fifty wins install on the table? Yeah, it's, it's a great opportunity for us. I think we let games slip away but we have opportunity we can stay healthy the rest of the game and we can get to fifty games. It's gonna be tough. We put ourselves in this position last year we was a lot worse. But um we could get on a winning streak like we did, you, you never know what can happen. What surprised you most so far this year? <clears throat> What surprises? What surprised you? What has surprised you the most so far this year? Me being injured again for a little bit—that <laughs> was the worst. You know, I mean, other than that, nothing really. I think. I mean, just trying to. The starters kind of knew what we wanted as coaches, but having Keith out at the beginning of the season and trying to adjust and get the new guys into our team. But, uh, Mike Scott's been playing well for us. Those type of guys. But I think the league's just—it's a lot different. There's a lot teams making moves. A lot of teams that got better this summer. A lot of teams that's right in the mix that you didn't think would be in the mix and hunt for playoff spots. And it's a lot of games left, and you never know what can happen. All right, so that's John Wall saying why what what he thinks is the most surprising part of this season, his own injuries. It's uh, considering how how much hype there was about his physical fitness coming into the year. I can understand why he may think that, and why that is certainly a bummer for him. Uh, we're going to talk more now, though, about what is in fact the most surprising part of the first half of the season. I came up with a bunch of nominations. Here to help me figure out which of these nominations is the winner, assuming that these choices are the right nominations, is Mr. Noah Getzel from 
wizardsextra.com. You can follow wizardsextra at wizardsextra on Twitter, wizardsextra, no E, wizardsextra. No, I don't have your Twitter handle in front of me. What is your Twitter handle so people know where to find you? Noah underscore Getzel, and that's a German last name spelled G-O-E-T-Z-E-L. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Ben. It's a pleasure to be back. No, I'm glad. Uh, I appreciate your uh, your time. All right, so here are the nominations that I came up with, and uh, we'll go through them, and you can we can discuss which one we think is the best one. I, and I'm sure, you know, if, if I've missed one out there, either Noah will tell me, or if you think there's something I'm missing, hit me up on Twitter at Ben Standing and let me know what you think. All right. Uh, I, all right. First and foremost, I mean, this is the most obvious one, I guess, although maybe it isn't even in the answer. I don't know. Losing to so many teams with losing records, that's obviously been the, the big theme of the first half of the season. And I guess when you consider where, where you know, they came into the year, with all the hype, you know, they're going to be contending possibly with Cleveland and Boston to win the East than to, 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 you know, backtrack because of those games in particular. I guess you would have to say surprising. Um, number two, Mike Scott's play. I mean, you know, there was hope he would come in and help the, the, the bench, but to the degree that he's been a lights out shooter and, and, and kind of a go-to guy, I think it's got to be pretty surprising. I mean, I'll just look, Quick, on a scale of one to ten, Noah, what were your expectations for Mike Scott this year, uh, helping the Wizards? Scale of one to ten. I figured, given the injury history of Meeks and Scott, you know, one of them was kind of going to come out flat, and then one of them would actually have a good year. So I'd say I'm mildly impressed, given what I've seen him do in the past with the Hawks. You know, you know what kind of player he's capable of, but I would say a seven, just because he's shooting so efficiently. And just, you know, he, he's like the perfect player for the bench. He's kind of helped uh, bring the bench up when, you know, last year it was such a big issue. So it's it's just he plays so flawlessly. He doesn't demand touches, but he does everything so well. He's a versatile defender. Um, so 7 out of 10. How about you? You're saying 7 out of 10 for what he's done so far. That's what you're saying? Did you say, like, how much he's exceeded expectations or just where I rank him overall? Because overall, I would say it's like a 9 out of 10. If yeah. It's just, like, from a baseline. Yeah, he's yeah. a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I probably I probably phrased it wrong. I mean, going into the year, I had minimal expectations, which is to say I thought he could be interesting, but considering the rough year he had and, and you know, on and off the court, you know, just didn't know. And plus, there was a question of, like, well, how much was he really even going to play? Because, you know, Jason Smith was was involved. Um you know, and so on. But, you know, obviously the Markeith injury early on gave him some playing time, and he certainly took advantage of it. All right, number three on my list. This is a downer, another bad one. Bradley Beal's shooting percentage from three in a free throw line. I mean, Bradley Beal, we've talked about it plenty. He's an all-star player, deservedly, or so he should be on the team. As far as I can tell, you know, he's got some career-high numbers, 23.6 points, and maybe most of all, He's played every game. It's kind of crazy that he's the one that's played every game where some of the other starters are missing. But that said, his three-point percentage right now would be a career-low 36.6. His free throw, uh, he's only a, he's under an 80% free throw shooter for his career. He's, uh, he's at 79 right now. Uh, you, you'd think a guy with that sh- shooting form would be higher. So for me, I think that's got to be one of the ones on this list. Uh, number four, Thomas Sadoransky becoming a rotation staple. You know, up until until John Wall got hurt, Sadoransky wasn't even playing that much. I, I don't remember, Noah, were you somebody who was screaming that Sadoransky needs to play more even before he did? Or were you, like, uh, 
because not not everybody was convinced he would ever actually be good. Some people, you know, whether you thought Tim Frazier was good or not, some people weren't going, oh, you got to put Sadoransky in. What, what, what was your just general take? Were you, uh, hey, get him in? Or were you like, eh, I don't know. I didn't see that much I've, yet. I've always been part of the free Sado movement just because with Tim Frazier, you know, he's been in the league and you absolutely know what you're getting, whereas uh, uh, Sadoransky has a much higher ceiling. And he's his playmaking is his best attribute as, along with just his length and his ability to grab rebounds. So I've, I'm, I'm impressed by – I hope he stays the backup point guard because – he he continues to take step forward. He's shooting a lot better. Um, I don't know how many. He's only shooting like 1.23s a game, but he's making 41%, 42% of those. And in the limited minutes, he's getting, you know, two and a half assists, two and a half rebounds. I'm, I'm pleased, and I hope he stays the backup point guard. I think he still has a lot of room to grow. Yeah, I mean, he's been very efficient, very minimal turnovers. He's making threes. Uh, free throw percentage is not that great. And, uh, you know, he still needs to be a little more assertive, a little stronger with the ball. Um, and I, I did a podcast the other day, which you can, of course, again, find on iTunes, uh, but uh, talking about how I think he's going to be really the key for me in terms of whether the Wizards make a move. Because if he can show he can play real minutes at both guard spots that they can trust for the playoffs, they don't, they may not have, feel like they have to do anything. If they, if not, they may have to feel like they have to get a, another wing, uh, for, for some more. Depth. All right, number five on the nominations list, Kelly Oubre's growth. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people, a lot of big Kelly Oubre fans totally get that for all kinds of reasons. Um, but nonetheless, he's, you know, uh, I was a, a little bit skeptical coming into the year. I had hope, had said from the bat, if they're going to win 55 games this year, he's going to have to make a big leap. In fairness to him, he's not the reason why they've been up and down. He's been fairly consistent with his energy. His three-point shooting numbers remain pretty high. His overall field goal percentage is not so great. He still has some lapses. But, you know, by and large, he's been a a much better player this year. And speaking of much better players, last but not least, nomination number six, Jan Mahimi Mahimi becoming viable. I mean, look, I I, I say that. I'm sure there are people groaning out there when I say that. I'm not saying he's... uh, you know, the second coming of Akeem Olajuwon or Patrick Ewing. I'm just saying he's not the walking uh, disaster that he was a year ago or that he even was early in the season. Certainly at times offensively, he can look like, I always say, like a, a baby deer learning to walk. But he's been effective. And if you just look, if, if we all believe in net rating, we all use this stat a lot. He has the best net rating on the team by a lot since Thanksgiving. I think Todd Divas told me today, he, he, Mahimi has like, the fourth best net rating of any center in the league this season. So, Jan Mahimi, not great. We're not talking about the money, but he's been a lot better. He's been viable, and he, look, he's on the court late in games. Uh, but that said, no, uh, uh, our friend Adam Rubin from TruthAboutIt.net makes fun of me when I consider Mahimi viable. Or, or when you when you see me hit me when you see me Mahimi on the court, or, are you like, oh boy, you know what? He actually has been better. Or are you like, oh no, here we go again. This is not going to go well. I'm not sipping the Kool-Aid yet. Uh, I'm I'm pleased that he's been doing better. I think uh, he deservedly is getting those minutes over Jason Smith now. You know, there was a lot of debate saying, saying Mahimi's just turnover prone. You know, he is fouling out of every game and basically doesn't deserve to be on the court, whereas someone who can stretch the floor 
uh, Jason Smith, who's less athletic, should be. But I, I think you know, I don't, I don't quite groan and <laughs> cover my eyes quite as much anymore when Mahimni goes in. But still, we need some more time to evaluate this. Um, going back to one of your points, Bradley Beal's three-point shooting and free throws. I'm not too concerned about this, just because his overall game has improved so so greatly. You know, like Wall said today, he's the MVP of the team. I think the way he's handling the ball, the way he's playing defense, getting rebounds, getting steals, even blocks, I think that kind of makes up for the, the lack of shooting. I think it is a little more concerning in the fourth quarter. But to me, just his overall evolution and the way he's become more of a better two-way player kind of makes up for, for the shooting woes through the first half of the season. Do you think that's a justifiable excuse? Um. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I did not look at the numbers uh, to see what how he's been doing with John Wall and without John Wall. Obviously, when Wall was out, and he had to take on a lot more of the responsibilities at point guard. Plus, the, the, the other teams are, are certainly in the in those cases are sending you know more players at him. They're sending more players at him in general defensively, but without Wall, they certainly were. And maybe that had something to do with it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, obviously, shooting percentage, you want it to be as high as possible. But sometimes, you know, when you factor in the extra workload, the extra attention, you have to be realistic in, in, in what's going on. Uh, that said, sort of to the point that Scott Brooks made here earlier, you didn't hear it, but the point he made earlier was that, uh, that I played earlier about he thinks that they're getting good shots. They're just not falling. I feel like Beal is part of that equation. I feel like that's a part of it also is Jody Meeks. I think uh, Brooks mentioned Otto Porter a little bit lately, but I, it does feel like with Beal, it's just like, I don't know. There's some games where he has those shots that just rim in and out. It's just not completely going down. His numbers aren't horrific by any stretch. They're just not what you expect for a guy with that shooting form and where he was a year ago. But like you said, I'm not so much worried about it. I'm just noting that he's had he's had a really good year and yet his his his, his shooting numbers are down. The the free throw shooting to me is the more peculiar one. I mean, the fact that he's mm-hmm. never been last year was his best free throw shooting season by a lot and he's just I mean, he should be uh I don't know. I mean, whatever Steph Curry is, he shouldn't be that far behind. You know what I mean? Like it, he doesn't have to be shooting 98%, but 78% is a little is a little low, and yet that's kind of where he's been most of his career. Yeah, especially uh, it seems like a lot of them are coming in real crunch time type of situations in the fourth uh, quarter between him and Wall. So yeah. I don't know what's going on with the free throws, but the Wizards rank just 20th now in, in free throw percentage. Um, another thing to keep in mind, I don't know how much, just because I played a basketball game tonight and I'm so winded, I think, like, because Beal is, uh, you know, 14th in the NBA in minutes per game and averaging uh, 30, just under 36, Wall's at 33, I think that kind of factors in a little bit, too, just, you know, how, how big of a lion's share of the offense he has to orchestrate and how many minutes he's getting, how many plays are run for him. You know, you, you just it's tough to have legs at the end of the game. The bench is definitely playing better, but when it comes to backup shooting guards, uh, the Wizards don't have the best options uh, behind Beal, so he's he's playing heavy minutes, which will certainly affect his, his shot late in games. No, and that's definitely a good point. And you know, it, 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 a point I, I made the other day. I don't know if you heard the podcast, but you know, when, when Otto Porter doesn't play, it's not like they have another wing to go to because the fact that the bottom, the back three roster spots are essentially null and void. So the, instead, Scott Brooks goes with a nine-man rotation, which meant more minutes 
for Beal and Wall at the back end of a back of the second game of a back to back, and you know they went uh, Wall and Beal one for twenty from the field over in the fourth quarter in the last in these last two games. So yeah, I'm sure tired legs is a factor. We can say hey, they're 24 years old, they're professional athletes, they shouldn't be tired. I try to look at the, the, the reality of the human element, and Beal does go after it defensively, so he, it's not like he's like slacking on that end of the court. So yeah, the fact that you don't have, he's playing big minutes, they don't have a lot of options for him, Meeks has just not been able to, to get going yet. Yeah, I think that's definitely a, a factor. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so with all that said, those are six nominations. Uh, as to the most surprising part of the season, some good, some bad. You got the losing to so many teams with a losing record, Mike Scott's play, Bradley Beal's shooting percentages, Thomas Sadoransky becoming a rotation staple, Kelly Oubre's growth, and Jan Mahimi becoming viable. Of those six options, Mr. Getzel, which one do you say is the most uh, – I'll, I'll let you do this first. What's the, what, which one of those is the least surprising – We'll start with that. Go, yeah, let's go that. Which one of those is the least surprising? I think just being a Wizards fan for so <laughs> many years, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. But number one, losing so many teams with losing records, you just at this point in my fandom, you know, the so Wizards hashtag is just way too true. No game is guaranteed. I don't care if you're playing the Brooklyn Nets, the Atlanta Hawks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's unfortunate, and I it's. You know, it's it's funny to me that it's kind of not a surprise at all that the Wizards are beating the best teams in the league but losing to the worst teams. It's like when you're in high school or college and you sit next to someone who sleeps through every class or never shows up to class and then exam time comes and they just ace it every time. It's kind of what the Wizards have been in terms of their performance playing down to a competition. I was, but in terms of the one... I was hated, no, go ahead. I was hated those people. I was so jealous. I I tried to be one of those people. I tried to be the guy who didn't go to class and didn't study. I just never had the game to show up and get the A. I was always like, oh crap! I knew I should have studied. So yeah, I know I don't I don't like those uh I don't like those people. And, and I will say just to answer mine on this one, I think I'm with you. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I can't remember after which one of these weird games, I said something to John Wall after one of these games about like how this has become an issue last year or two. He goes, year or two, this has been like an issue my whole career. And I don't think he's mm-hmm. wrong. Uh, I've said before, I'm not saying it's all on him by any stretch, but there's been a lot of games over the over his career where the rando backup point guard, or the rando point guard who's, who nobody knows or is getting a rare start or whatever, comes in and seems to have a good game. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and that leads to so, some odd results. So, yeah, the Wizards have definitely had these struggles and it is also – it's why I do make think it's a big deal when they lose these games. To be the best, you, it isn't just about beating the best. It's about showing up every night. And for the most part, they haven't been able to do that. It's been a little better a little better lately, but over the course of the year, not great. So, yeah, I'm with you. Losing to so many teams with losing records, probably the least surprising part, unfortunately. Um, all right, most surprising of, uh, of those nominees, which one of you – which one of you has been the most surprising? 
the the bench performance overall being so so solid has been most surprising. If I have to pick one element, it's got to be Kelly Oubre's growth. In just his third year, he's the fourth leading scorer on the team. He's fourth in steals. He's just the games that Otto doesn't play, or it's 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 sad that you don't have another good small forward. But at the same time, there's not a big drop off between Otto and Kelly Oubre. As you mentioned, he's really improved his ball handling, which you know I used to totally <laughs> scream every time he would touch the ball in a fast break because of so many turnovers and inability to finish. But he's really worked on his right hand. He's hitting corner threes at a very consistent level, uh, 38%. I didn't expect that coming into the season. And his confidence has always been there, but it seems like he's really growing into you know, a, a third or fourth option offensively and kind of taking some of the thunder away from Marquise Morris, who has been good recently and, you know, finally looks like he's recovered from his injury. But I'm just amazed by how how fast Kelly Oubre's growth has been, especially given that he played like zilch, not at all during his rookie year. So I think it will be a, a tough decision in a couple uh up but you know it's a player the wizards would like to retain even though they have three max contracts already so i've been amazed i'm i'm really impressed by kelly how about you well you know seeing as how i pick these nominees i guess i'm i'm inclined to say this is a very tough decision uh <laughs> lot lot of good candidates but you know what like Part of me wants to pick Sadoransky, but, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I was out, you know, I've definitely been advocating for him to play more. And my, my only reason why I would potentially pick him would be the surprise would be that I, that whether that I thought Scott Brooks would actually put him in. Cause so many times last year and early this year, it just felt like he didn't view him as a point guard, but he viewed him as like this utility piece, which he really isn't. But that said, I, I'm going to go with Mike Scott. I mean, Look, Mike mm-hmm. Scott, his last full year with that Atlanta team that won sixty games, he shot thirty nine percent from three. That's a really good that's a really good number. He averaged fifteen minutes a game. You know, he wasn't like a main guy off the bench, but he was an effective piece for them. He's been way more than that. And that was after a year last year, which was a complete brutal season because of uh his off the court issues. He had an he had an injury. He was a wreck. So the Wizards getting him on the minimum, it, it, it almost feels like Mike Scott is this year's Jason Smith, which was Jason Smith was another year's Rasul Butler. The guy who comes off mm-hmm. the bench, and maybe even before that, Martel Webster. The guy who coming into the season, like Mike Scott was not like completely buried on the bench, but if you had told me, you know, if you said to me before the season started, you know, and you know Scott Brooks is playing 10 players, I don't necessarily know that Mike Scott's in the rotation because Jason Smith was so effective last year. Uh, you understand that he might be, but it wasn't necessarily a, a, a lock. The fact that now when I look ahead to the postseason and I think to myself, well, who's in the eight-man rotation? And it's hard to see how Mike Scott is not in there is just crazy. Now, he's making 43% of his threes. For his career, he's a 34.8% shooter. So, you know, this is a dramatic difference from where he's been historically. Again, he was 39% his last full year in Atlanta. So we saw some uptick there. So for me, it's got to be it, – it, it's ultimately Mike Scott. And um, you know, I think right now we're all just assuming this is going to keep going. Uh, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, is it sustainable? You look at the guys, Martel Webster, Rasul Butler, Boyan Bogdanovich. They had these crazy hot streaks too, and then they, they eventually cool off. But I think Mike Scott is a lot more versatile in terms of his rebounding and defensive presence and the way he moves the ball well. So he's not – 
he's not Jarrell Eddy. He's not, you know, just a shooter. He he can do a lot more. So, yeah, absolutely. I've been amazed. His efficiency, you know, 19 minutes a game, averaging 10 points. That's not too bad. And also, I mean, you know, like, like with Mahimi, you know, and I always bring this up, I always point to Thanksgiving when Sadoransky took over as the backup point guard. Not to say that Sadoransky is the greatest backup point guard of all time, but, you know, it seemed to start, it seemed to click better for the second unit when that happened. And Mike Scott, his shooting, that's right around the time his, his shooting really started to improve as well. So, you know, that second unit, you know, uh, they're, they're not the best second unit in the, in the Eastern Conference or, or anything like that, but they've been better. And, you know, so, so to that extent, you know, maybe I can buy into Mike Scott keeping this going, but yeah, 43% from three. If he's over 40% by the end of the year, that would be tremendous. If he's, you know, uh, but if he's under 40, then that also means, you know, things have gone, you know, a lot worse in the second half of the year. But for the course of a year, you would, you know, if you told me he's shooting 39%, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up for, uh, sign me up for that one. Um, l- last thing before I let you go, I, I, I had six nominees. I, you know, I didn't have anything with John Wall, Marquise Morris, Otto Porter, Marching Gortat, or, you know, other things. Anything that I'm completely missing that I'm like, hat bad. How did you not think of that? Uh, anything that, that that jumps off the page to you uh, as as far as like a bigger surprise? Yeah. So, moving looking ahead to next month, uh, I I believe that Bradley Beal is definitely a lock for the All Star game. But is it possible that Wall might not be selected? I don't know. Uh, it looks you know who's who's a lock for the guards for the East. It's it's just possible that Wall, given the time he's missed and kind of his numbers dipping a little bit. He might not be selected to the All-Star game. I don't know how, what the odds are that he makes it. I think it's kind of like a, a fraternity where once you get it, you continue to get it year after year, which is why Carmelo made it last year. But are you confident that John Wall will, will be an All-Star reserve guard? So that would be a big surprise if he misses it for once. Right, right. This is a preemptive surprise. Um, you know, if you look at, if you look at those those votes for the uh, Eastern Conference, everybody's been talking about how Bradley Beal was ninth and Wall was fifth, and people point to Bradley Beal. You know how how dare people vote for Isaiah Thomas, who's played one game, or, or at the mm-hmm. time that only played one game, or Dwayne Wade, who you know he's obviously still a good player, but he's not at that level anymore. How dare you vote ahead of them for Beal? Okay, that said, even if you take the two of them out, now what? Right? I mean, you still at that point have. Uh, seven players. Uh, I feel like I'm. Hold on, let me pull up the uh, uh, the, the voting here. I mean, the two guys are going to start, so you got Kyrie and DeRozan. If it, right now, right. I, I think if that if that's what it is, it's hard to argue with that. Kyrie's had a a, a tremendous year for Boston, and DeRozan has been a, a real beast for um for Toronto. And also, let's not forget, he's got an entire country voting for him, so that's can't ignore. Can't ignore that. Then you have Victor Oladipo. He's third in the voting. You know uh, he's going to make the team, right? I mean he's had a he's had a great year for Indiana. Fourth is Ben Simmons. We'll, I'll come back to him in a second. John Wall currently fifth. Then we got Wade and Thomas. Then Kyle Lowry. Then Beal. So you're telling me between Irving DeRozan, Oladipo, Simmons, Wall, Lowry, Beal, one of those seven won't make it if they go six guards. So if and I don't think. Do you think they'll take six? If they're, you know, they're three forward position and two guards, do you think they'll go well, they six had, and six? They or took is it more six, likely they a took, five and seven. Uh, they took six last year. So, 
You okay. know, and it does feel like, you know, in this day and age with, with the centers being essentially irrelevant, it's not like back in the day where maybe you would have taken two, if not three of those guys, um, you know, without getting too nerdy here. If you look at the front court, yeah, Giannis, LeBron, Embiid, those are the top three right now. Uh, Porzingis, Kevin Love, Al Horford, you know, I kind of think those guys would make it. Andre Drummond, I'm just looking at the voting, who's voted, uh, the top vote getter. So if there's somebody outside the top 10, I'm not, uh, maybe I'm forgetting them, but that would give you to, that would get me to, uh, that gets you to seven. So then you can only have six. So yeah, I don't know. I guess you could maybe say is, you know, the last spot, Al Horford or a six guard or Andre Drummond or a six guard. So maybe. So I, I, I'll, I will say this. I think to your larger point, is John Wall a lock to make it? I would say no. If you're going to pick one wizard guard this year at this point, I don't see how it wouldn't be Bradley Beal. And so then mm-hmm. in, in this context, the question would be if you're going with six, you know, is Ben Simmons getting in? I don't know. I mean, you know, the first month of the year, he was pretty damn good. And uh, I would pick John Wall over him, obviously, but I don't know. Stranger things have happened. So so your your three locks are Oladipo, and then the starters, Irving and DeRozan. And then you're saying Beal's kind of a lock, too, so he'd be number four. So if there are two spots, yes, I think Wall makes it. But otherwise, it's kind of a toss-up, you know, between Kyle Lowry, who's been there year after year. The Raptors have a better record. He's played more games. Simmons, you know, he's got all the popularity, but I, I don't think he would get the edge over Wall or Lowry, just, you know, based on the reputation. And they usually don't snub guys who would make it year after year for, you know, a rookie. But, yeah, I, I don't I – don't, it's definitely not a lock this year. I hope that – Beal is a lock, and it seems like he's put together the resume for that. But I guess we'll wait and see. We will. I, I do think that uh, people, like I think, I think you make a good point that the people are a little bit sleeping on the fact that you know it's conceivable Wall doesn't get it. And I will just say this: well, this is a topic for another podcast. If Beal gets in and Wall doesn't, I'll die. I wonder what that would mean for the Wizards. I'll just leave it at that. I don't know. By the, way, by the way, Ben Simmons, I mean, he's sixth in the NBA in assists with 7.5 a game. The, what, what, considering what he's being asked to do on a team, you know, he, he's being asked to play a point guard as a rookie on a team that's hardly experienced. That, you know, Philadelphia's been a pretty interesting team. So, you know, he, he's had a pretty good year. I think, you you know, you can make the case for 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 him. It's, it's just a matter of he's a rookie, whereas Wall and Lowry have, you know, it's hard to ignore the past. We know they've been very good. So it would be interesting. Yeah, there could be seven guys for six spots. And uh I don't know. John Wall's got a little bit of work to do. But he's also, by the way, third in assists. So, you know, let's mention that. It's too bad they can't throw Simmons into the front court since he's 6'10 and, you know, grabs eight and a half rebounds a game. Oh, I mean, I guess... doesn't quite work like that since he does play point guard. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but we will... uh We'll see. Uh, or, or, so, of course, I, I, I'm, I'm not somebody who's pushing the everybody to go out, you know, hashtag NBA vote. But hey, you know what? I guess we're for talking about it. If you want, if you, if, I'll just say it, if you want Wall and Beal in, you can do your part. What, whatever the ways that NBA lets you vote. I know about the Twitter one, hashtag NBA vote. I don't even know what else there is. No, I guess you go online or I don't know, maybe mail, send in by snail mail. I have no idea, but, uh, <laughs> do whatever. How old are you then? Uh, too old. Too old. Uh, but yeah, but if you want, if you want them in, you gotta go vote. That's how, that's how these things work. So don't complain if they didn't get in. If you don't vote, you gotta at least go vote. Uh, 
Noah, we will not be voting you off the island because that was a very good uh, job out of you today. I appreciate your time. Everybody, of course, go check out Noah's work over at wizardsextra.com, extra without the E, and uh, on Twitter, at wizardsextra. And uh, Noah, I appreciate it, my man. Have a good night. I I will see you uh, tomorrow night, meaning Wednesday night, for the Wizards Jazz game. We'll see if they get beat by fifty again. Yeah, looking forward to it. Oh God! If they get if they if they even lose the game, I, I considering how bad that was, they even lose this game, I'd be I I I think I would be surprised. You, but hey, you know what? I don't know. I I I guess the Wizards have stunned me before. I can't be stunned by anything. But you lose to a team by forty-seven points, and now they come on the road without their best defensive player, who who's like sort of the, the straw that serves the drink for them. You better win the game. That's all I can say. Um, Noah, we'll, we'll appreciate it, man. We'll end it there. Thanks to you guys, as always, for, for listening. Uh, back at it tomorrow night after the Wizards Jazz game with more on the Locked On Wizards podcast. And until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.